Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is your boy Mo Brown number 10. This is Politics 101 by Mo Brown featuring Mo Brown. Um, that song was Deal or No Deal by Underrated Liz of his mixtape Liz Sanity 2. Deal or No Deal is actually the title track. It's my boy Easy. Um, Liz is his uh, rap name. But yeah, this is the podcast where I take a brief subsection of politics and I talk about it um, in a language that regular people can understand. Um, today's topic is going to be higher ed, higher education. So we're talking like, you know, post-secondary school, college in America. And we're going to talk about some of the politics of college. Specifically, I want to talk about the black experience in college. And I want to talk about the very different experiences I had in college. And then I want to compare it to um, the experience that I perceive someone received at a historically black college or university, HBCU. Um, So this is going to be my experience. I didn't go to an HBCU, so I'm going to be speaking on inference. Feel free to correct me in the comments, um, Twitter, anything like that, you know, at MoBreezy213 on everything. Feel free to call me out if, you know, I'm speaking out of turn as far as the HBCU experience. Um, This is going to be an extended episode, so, you know, buckle up. (laughs) It's going to be a little long. But, you know, I I think it's a topic worth talking about. Um, Higher education as a whole is, you know, controversial. But I work at a, a higher ed institution, so, you know, I have that perspective. And I also went to three different colleges in New York State. One private, two public, but one was a community college. So it was definitely three very different experiences. And, you know, let's talk about it. Um, Before we get started, uh, you know, as always, I want to shoot out my podcast, uh, my sponsors, some of which are podcasts. So first is the G&Co Sports Show. They don't break the news. They shake the news. Um check them out anywhere you can find podcasts they record on twitch.tv backslash g and co sports show there's an underscore in there somewhere um you can find them on twitter instagram same name second sponsor is the hookah and opinion podcast reem and my boy lj you can also find them wherever podcasts are found and then last sponsor unofficially but officially, unofficially, um, it's Smooth Family Entertainment. Check them out. SFE, everything. My God, Guru, the master of the arts. Um, but yeah, no, let's get into it. So I'll start by giving context. So those of you who know me sort of know my story, but my higher education journey began in 2010 where I attended the college at Brockport, SUNY Brockport, um, and I failed out in 2012. Um, one of the low points in my life, you know, I, I, when I went to college, I wanted to be better than my brother who failed out of college, um, and I didn't. I failed out, and that's, you know, something I got to hold till the day I die. 
Um, I had a good experience in college. I met some lifelong friends. I met Rue, uh, Maybach. I met P-Fly, even though I technically didn't meet him at Brockport, but that's where we got close. Um, you know, Will, Nate, AK, uh, but no, Brockport was my first, like, extended experience living with people who didn't look like me in my life, and, um, it, it was educational. I learned a lot. Um, I feel living in America, you have to do that. You have to embrace that. You have to experience that at some point because whether you like it or not, that's going to be your reality. You're going to work with a lot of people who don't look like you, particularly white people. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was shocking. It was, uh, I opened in, um, one of my best friends, I haven't spoken to this man in like five years, but if he called me up today, you know, we gonna link. That's my boy, Nate, but I met him. He, his name was Nate Meetot. I'm shouting his whole name out, but he lived on Meetot, um, Avenue. <laughs> like he lived on Meetot Road in, you know, Westdale, New York. Like he literally lived, like that's how small his town was. He lived in a suburb of a, like, so he lived in Westdale, New York. I'm not sure where he's living today, but at the time he was living in Westdale, New York. So Westdale is like a suburb of Camden, New York, which is a suburb of Rome, New York, which is basically a suburb of Syracuse, New York. Like that's how tiny this town is. And mind you, Syracuse is not a big city. Like I'm from Brooklyn. But, you know, I got to meet, I got to experience that. And I wouldn't trade that experience for nothing. Um, got to meet Trav, got to meet, you know, a bunch of people. Nikki Sky, um, Lindsay, who I dated, a uh, bunch of different people. And these were people I had never encountered in high school, you know. I just was not exposed to that because of where I lived. Um, but that experience, you know, failed out, ended up going to the military which was another uh, culture shock education, whether I liked it or not. But I want to fast forward. So I fell down in 2012, military, got back stateside in 2015 before my second deployment. In 2015, I went to Onondaga Community College. And OCC opened my eyes to how big the world truly is. Because, oh, so OCC is my home. I work at OCC. I have nothing but great things to say about OCC. Um, it was the place, it was the institution of higher education I felt the most at home by miles. By miles. As far as diversity. But like the biggest thing between OCC and Brockport I noticed was class. It was class. Um, so OCC was a community college, Onondaga Community College. Uh, so I live in Onondaga County in Syracuse and it's the community college for my county and um, when I got to OCC that was the first time I noticed that like well it was the army was the first time I noticed that they were like you know poor white people in masses and then OCC kind of confirmed it because my experience with white people at Brockport was not like my experience with white people at OCC. And it was it was class. 
And, you know, I grew up poor. I wear that on my sleeve. Um, my mother made ends meet. I never missed a meal, nothing like that. But, like, you know, I didn't have the flyest shoes. I didn't have anything. And I have no regrets with my experience. But, like, you know, right now I'm in a significantly different financial class than the one I grew up in. And, you know, whatever. But, like, at OCC I felt at home because the people were like me. The people there didn't grow up with money. The people there, you know, they weren't... Not to say that people in Brockport were rich, but they weren't poor. And, like, the people at OCC, more of them were than were not. And that's why I was so comfortable. Because it was, you know, what I grew up around. And, like, it was... It was different. It was like, wow, this is, you know, another experience. But I got to learn what it's like being with them. Um, My whole life, I had been around poor black people. I hadn't been around, you know, poor white people. I just hadn't. And getting to experience that, you know, it prepared me for the real world. Um, It showed me that, you know, the color of my skin, although it's a factor, it's not the only thing. Um, Anybody who knows me know I... I identify as a black man. I'm a very black man. I will never not be a black man. But if there's a rich black man and a poor white person, I feel more connected to that poor white person because in our society, you know, how much money you have, that matters. And I did not have a lot of money coming up. And I've met rich white people and I've met rich black people. And the rich black and white people have more in common with each other than the poor white and rich white people. Like, not all white people are built the same. Um, And then even within the white community, like, you know, Germans, French, different experience. But that's not what this is about. This is more about higher education. So when I got to OCC, fell in love with the place. Um, OCC is a so Onondaga County took me in his home, adopted me. I say, you know, adopted son of Onondaga County. Um, and you know, I wear that on my sleeve too. Uh, I could shout people out, you know, Professor Mark Muhammad, uh, Commissioner Zarni with the BOE held down my TV and my sneakers when I deployed. But like, Onondaga County really took me in as if I was one of their own, and I'll never forget that. You know, I I am forever grateful for that. Um, But at OCC, that was where I really felt home in higher ed. And it was because that class thing. I noticed it at Brockport. But it became strikingly noticeable when I got to Syracuse University. So Syracuse University, not a SUNY school by no stretch. It is a private university. I'm sure everyone listening to this knows Syracuse University and it is, you know, consistently top five party school. Uh, I think we was number one in 2021. It is is not poor by no stretch of the imagination. Um, One semester of tuition costs more than my entire other college experience combined. So luckily by the time I got to the SU, I was, you know, military. So the taxpayer paid most of my college experience. But Syracuse was where my eyes were open the most because that was where I got to experience rich black people. 
I hadn't been around many rich black people, whether it was the army, whether it was um, Brockport. There was some like upper class, but like Brockport was a mix. I'm not gonna say Brockport was, you know, uh, you know, Brockport wasn't poor. You know, it wasn't lower class. But, like, Brockport don't hold a candle to Syracuse University. Syracuse kids were driving Range Rovers. Like, at Brockport, my friend Nate, he had, like, this um, Nissan Altima, I want to say. It was like a hoopty. It was like a 97. And he was a man. He was able to drive to Walmart. That was a big deal. But these kids, like, they would go to the mall, like, and tear down the mall. Like, I, I remember uh, I was in... What class was this? It was a communications class. I want to say it was Professor Sierra. <laughs> I don't know if she wants me shouting her class out. But it was a communication class. It was like interpersonal communication. Let's just say it was an interpersonal communication class. And we were having a group discussion. And I'll never forget this woman. In 1920, but woman nonetheless. Why are we doing this? This woman was, you know, telling her story. Um, to, we were in small groups and she was saying how, you know, she was upset. Uh, it was right after Christmas, you know, like one of her, it was a get to know you thing, whatever, early in the semester. And she was saying she was upset with her parents because her parents got her a car for Christmas, but it was like a Lexus and she wanted a Benz. And I was like, you have a car, like you're 18, 19, 20, 20, whatever you are. Like your parents bought you a car. And like, she she was like legit upset. And like, you know, you you be nice to people. You gotta be nice to people. But moreover, I was like, wow, she really doesn't understand any other experience. Like, this is really her entire lived experience. Like, there's no logical reason she like she didn't deploy. She didn't go to Brockport. She didn't you know live these different lives. Her whole life was one way, and then she got here, and most of the people here were that one way. Um, and to me, that was like bananas. Like, I, I was like, wow, this is a different level of class. And I say this to say that in higher education, I learned a lot, you know, about communication. I read body language very well. You know, I know how to pitch match. Um, it helped me code switch among the best. You know, I like to think I'm one of the best code switches on the planet. You could put me in, you know, Brevoy Projects, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, you know, prison, or, you know, Somerset County, New York, and I'm going to be just in New York. Pennsylvania, sorry. It's America's County. Um, but you could put me anywhere, and I'm going to be able to blend in, and it's because of my lived experience. Um, but because of my journey in higher ed, I, I learned a lot and I, I, I think that if I didn't get to experience this, I wouldn't be the most, the, the well-rounded person I am today. I like to think I'm very well-rounded. Um, so now this was a long way of getting so I, I talked a lot about myself and I didn't really talk about like the politics of it so 
in America, we, you know, we value higher education. We're not the only place that does this, but we're definitely a place that does this. And higher education is super valuable. You know, knowing a lot about chemical engineering or whatever your craft is, that matters. You know, you, you that, that has real value and I don't want to belittle that. But a lot of the value in higher education is you learn how to navigate the world. You know, the world is different. The world is not like your high school. I don't care where you went to high school, the big world will not be like it. And like, you know, there are more diverse schools than others. There are more, you know, whatever. But like college, you live there. Like you are living there for the most part. And you get to see people from, you know, all over the state, all over the country in some situations, all over the world and others. And like, it's a real formative period for you. And I fundamentally disagree with experiencing it with all of one type of person. So HBCUs, the point is, you know, black people, um, you got a Spelman, Morehouse, Howard, a bunch of HBCUs. You know, I got friends that are HBCU grads. This isn't a shot at them or anything. Um, most of them are super well-rounded people. They're dope. But like, a big part of the fundamental HBCU experience is so that people of color can have a place to learn where they don't have to, like, free from discrimination. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, is racism a factor here? Because, you know, you took that out. It's everybody in the classroom's black. Like, everybody in the classroom, you know, has a similar shared experience based on color. So, I disagree with that. One, because like I said, the rich black people I met are not like the poor black people I've met. They're not like the middle class black people I've met. They're just different in many ways. Um, it's, it's a totally different beast. So, like, there's still going to be discrimination. It just won't be based on race. So, I don't think it shields you from that. But moreover, I think the point of college is to prepare you for the world and living in an environment where everybody's the same, where everybody's Catholic, where everybody is, you know, a woman, where everybody is anything, everybody is black, everybody is white. If it's all white college, I'm sure there's one out there somewhere. I don't think that that prepares you for the world because when you get out into the world, most of the time, the world is not going to be like that. There are exceptions. You can live in places like, um, you know, Montgomery County, Baltimore, Prince George's County, Baltimore, where, you know, super high black population, Baltimore. Um, you could live in places like uh, really any rural place is probably going to be all, if not mostly white. So you can live in rural America and avoid like you could live in Vermont and avoid black people if you're a white person. But if you live in most cities, especially in 2022, you're gonna have to deal with some diversity. And if this is your first time experiencing white people, you're gonna be at a disadvantage. If this is your first time experiencing men in their natural habitat, you're gonna be at a disadvantage. If this is your first time experiencing, you know, non-Catholics, this is, you're gonna be at a disadvantage. And if the point of college 
is to prepare you for the world, I fundamentally think HBCUs don't prepare you for it. Um, granted, I lucked out. I say I lucked out because I failed out of Brockport. So I did get to experience three different colleges and three different, um, you know, demographics, uh, financial, just like class demographics. Syracuse, we had, you know, like Asian social clubs, plural. It was like an Asian fraternity. I went to one of their parties. It was lit. Everybody was speaking a language that I didn't understand. Um, I don't know if it was Cantonese, Mandarin, Japanese. Like, I don't know what they were speaking. I just couldn't understand it. But they was partying with me. We was vibing. You know, I'm I'm a man of the people. I'm mixy. Um, But also you had, you know, Spanish. You had, like, rich black people doing rich stuff. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. But it was like, it was a shock to me. It really was. Uh, But yeah, no, fundamentally, I just think historically, black colleges do a disservice to black people. Because it's presented in a manner as if, like, you know, this is what you need. This is, you know, a superior education. This is better. And I don't think it's better. Um... Granted, if your sole goal is to learn about, you know, chemical engineering, I do think you will have a better chance focusing on that because that's, you know, there's less, uh, there's less of the race issue, which is, you know, our oldest sin in this country. So that will help you focus on chemical engineering. It'll help you focus on, you know, PR It'll help you focus on, you know, mass media community. Whatever your craft is, you'll be able to focus on it a little more. But I still think the class issue will be at play. And I think that you will not be as prepared for the world as somebody who went to, let's say, a Syracuse. Let's say a Brockport. Let's say, you know, Cortland, Stony Brook, uh, NYU. Um, A lot of these big, you know, predominantly white institutions in America are predominantly white institutions just simply because they're in America. America, whether we like it or not, is predominantly white. Um, you know, lots of groups are catching up and pretty soon the collective of, you know, Latinx people, black people, um, Asian Pacific Islanders, you know, etc. Pretty soon that collection will be more than, um, you know, there are black people, uh, white people, as you were. But I don't think that's happened yet. We haven't turned that corner. For the most part, if you meet an American, more likely than anything else, they're going to be white. That's just math. It's just a numbers game. And you need to know how to deal with these people. Whatever your, your you know, craft is going to be. If you're going to be a nurse, you need to know how to treat white patients. If you're going to be a... Salesman, you need to know how to sell cars to Spanish people. You're gonna be a pick a craft. If you're gonna, you know, work for the Philadelphia 76ers as a scout, you need to know how to deal with a bunch of different people. And I think that graduates of HBCUs are less equipped. 
than someone who didn't because you you know you got to experience that in college and granted it's only four years of your life you know life is about learning forever but like those are your formative years you know there's, <laughs> there's a time and place for everything and that time and place is college and that is real and um you know these are my thoughts like i said this is an opinion uh I can give like some of the things I said are facts like there are more white people than any other um, minority group for lack of a better term yeah I'm putting white people as a minority group uh, who gonna stop me um, some things are facts like you know the median income of a parent of a Syracuse student is higher than the median income of the parent of an OCC student um, OCC has more commuters by you know per capita than Brockport than most of the schools in upstate New York uh, more my point is about so this is politics 101 and I think that you know it's political within the black community specifically you know HBCU grads are seen as like um not holier than thou, but they are seen as, you know, better. They went, to, like, Morehouse is arguably the most prestigious school you can say you've graduated from. Howard, you know, schools like they are, they just are household names. They have been in every, you know, family for, you know, as long as we've been around. Um, and that's, you know, what it is. But I think that if we as black people are truly going to overcome oppression if we're truly going to even if you're on some Dr. Umar you know some super hotep this is war black people are at war with white people and you know we 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 can't let the enemy get an inch you got to know your enemy in war that's 101 that's not even Sun Tzu that's like 101 war it's no thy enemy and if you spent all this time learning not about the enemy, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Like, you want to know what you're up against. So I don't agree with that, obviously. I am not a Dr. Umar Hotep. Um, I am dating a white woman, so I'm clearly, you know, I'm exempt from being a Hotep. I can never be a Hotep. Some people would say I can't even be pro-black. Um... But I definitely can't be a hotep, and I'll agree with that. I'm ineligible. Even if I wanted to be a hotep, I can't. But if you are a hotep and you think we're at war with white people, you should want to know your enemy. You should want to know what you're up against. Um, but me, as somebody who I do think we need to overcome oppression, and I think most of the oppression it comes from the you know white supremacist structure says the whiter, the more male, you know you are, the better you are. I think that a part of overcoming that is educating ourselves on how it operates. And a great way to learn about that is by experiencing it. Is by, you know, being, for lack of a better term, in the trenches with white supremacy. And if you go to Syracuse University, if you've just 
been on campus. You can see white supremacy is calm on display. You got all of it. You got rape culture. You got casino capitalism. You got everything that white supremacy is built on will be on display on that campus. And I graduated from Syracuse. I love the school. I do think it's trying, but as long as capitalism is a driving factor for it, it will always be that way. You just can't exist in a capitalist society and, you know, be clean. Um, Or you can't run a capitalist model of education free of white supremacy. That's a whole nother issue. This is about higher education and the roles that HBCUs play. Um, I think that overall, this is controversial, but I do... uh, I don't have the facts to back it. This is just a theory I have based on, you know, my experiences. I think that by putting HBCs and HBUs on this higher pedestal, I think we've done a disservice to our people, to black people. Um, If we all were black nationalists, like if we were a world that was shaped more by Malcolm than Martin then I might be with you. If we were just going to, you know, have Tulsa, Oklahoma, and just black people are going to live there in peace, then it's like, okay, there's no need for this. But we've seen what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in, you know, um, Buffalo, New York, when black people have their own shit, white supremacy attacks it. And that's a fucking reality we got to deal with. And I hate that. I don't like that. That really frustrates me because I think if people want to have their own shit, let them have their own shit. If, you know, somebody wants to live in an all-black community, if somebody wants to live in an all-white community, gated community, let them live there, you know. But white supremacy is going to see that as a threat and they're going to attack it. To oldest time. Oldest time. Old as time. Um, that's going to happen. The oldest sin in our country is race. And if we are going to tackle it, we need to educate ourselves on it. We need to take every chance we can to learn about white supremacy. And we send some of our best. We send some of our best people to Howard, to Morehouse, to Spelman, to, you know, Clark Atlanta, to Lincoln, to, you know, Virginia, I don't know if VU's HBC, but we send some of our best people to these black colleges, historically black colleges, Tuskegee's, the, you know, various A&T's, A&M's down south, and like, I'm not saying it's bad, obviously get education, I value education super highly, um, but at the same time, if if you're not a well-rounded person, if you don't understand, if you can't walk into a, a workplace in 2022 and have a sense of where your coworkers are coming from, you're at a disadvantage. Um, unless you work at that HBCU, you're probably going to work at a place where you're one of the you know few black people in that office. If you work in an office and you, you know, put slacks on in the morning, you probably are in like, unless you own your business, but even if you own your business, 
once your business gets big enough, you're going to have a lot of white clientele. You just are. You're going to have a lot of people that aren't your community. It's very, very rare that you are going to live a life where, as a black person, you're in the majority most of the time. Most of the rooms you walk in, you're going to be at a disadvantage numerically. And whether it's right or wrong, it's fact. That's just what it is in America. Um, You know, there are places in the world you can go where it's not like that. But as long as we're in America, that's the reality. And that white person who sees you, they have been in rooms where there were two or three black people. They've experienced it. So they're going to think they know you. And you haven't because you went to, you know, Spelman. You went to more. I don't know why I can't think of more HBCUs right now. I'm struggling. I just got those three in my head. I got those three in my head because those, um, I got students that are going from OCC to those at least trying to get in there. And Lincoln, my boy went to Morgan State. That's one thing. I know something. Um, Jackson State, Dion. Moreover, I, I think we're doing a disservice to our people. I do. Fundamentally, I think that we need to be taking our children, our 18, 19 year olds, and we need to immerse them in American culture. We want to give them foundations, like, you know, let them know, like, you know, you are black. You being black means this. This is how the world is going to treat you. This is your culture. Like, obviously don't send them, you know, blindly and say, like, you know, go to Syracuse and become Syracuse. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But, if you want to prepare your children for the world, if we want to prepare the next generation for the world, we need to get them, like, we can't shelter them from the world. We need to get them into the world. Like, college is a microcosm of the world. That's the point. And I, I, in my experience, I've been in more classrooms where I was the minority than the majority in many terms. Class, in terms of race, you know, and then in higher ed, you know, men, we, we, we don't graduate at the rate that women do. Men don't graduate at the rate that women do, one, but especially black men. Like, black men are the least likely to graduate, where black women are the most likely to graduate. Which is odd. I don't understand that one yet, but those are just facts. Um, I'm on a roll. I don't know if any of y'all made it this far. I want to shout out my sponsors again. G and Co Sports Show, Hookin' Opinions Podcast. Go check them out. Everywhere podcasts are found. My guys. And then obviously SFE. Check them out. Smooth Family Entertainment. Um, This is Politics 101 by Mo Brown number 10. I rambled a lot. Um, if you are still here, thank you for tuning in. Um, I don't put up episodes regularly, so don't be looking for the episode. If you look, you probably won't see a new one. But if you're seeing this one, check it out. I want to say this episode 14. Um, thank y'all for tuning in. Um, y'all be easy. You know, drink water, stay healthy, mask up, and be safe. Peace.